Welcome to the Passion Harvest podcast audio series. Thank you so much for listening today. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. If you would like to watch this episode, please head over to our Passion Harvest channel on YouTube. We love taking you on a journey to discover your passions. Thanks for listening. Hello, passionate listeners and watchers. Welcome to Passion Harvest. I'm Louisa, your host. Thank you so much for joining us wherever you are in the world right now. I'm so excited about our guest today, Peter Anthony. Peter Anthony returned from his near-death experience with a remarkable gift that changed his life. The after effects of Peter's NDE provided him with insights into unexplained mathematical equations. He returned with the ability to understand inexplicable mathematical codes such as 332223334444 as well as a zero series of 0.00s. This new extraordinary knowledge allowed Anthony to become an expert in numerology. Peter's near death experience set in motion a career in TV as a psychic detective using numerology as a means to resolve paranormal cases on shows such as sightings, mysteries of the unexplained fact or fiction, borderline unsolved mysteries and celebrity psychic. Peter is the author of several nonfiction books, including Keymaster and Miracle Dogs. Peter's sequel to his book, Keymaster, The Accidental Prophet, is soon to be released in 2021. This is his story and this is his passion. Peter Anthony, so honoured and excited to have you on the show. Welcome to Passion Harvest. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I also appreciate you taking the time to let me be a part of your life and also your audience, you know, part of their lives. So I extend my hand to all of you. I can't wait to discuss with you today and get started, but about particularly about your after effects of your near-death experience. But if you don't mind, can you give us a brief sort of background of your life and your events leading up to your near-death experience? I had a near-death experience. Uh, I had been misdiagnosed, unfortunately. And me being so busy, I let something very simple go into something very complicated. And I think by the time I got to the hospital, um, it was the perfect storm waiting for me. And um, it, it was just an ultimate nightmare. So I'll kind of fast forward into the, uh, I, I guess, into the OR. I don't want to go into the whole time of, of talking about what happened to me being admitted. Um, but um, I... Something very unusual happened, and I think your show and your audience will appreciate this. The nurse that brought me in uh, was arguing with the anesthesiologist and was trying to get me into the OR, and it was just a dreadful night. And while she was arguing with the doctors and, and, and the anesthesiologist, there was this um, African-American woman, very thin, ageless. Uh, uh, I just remember her eyes were so piercingly blue. And um, I was sitting on the gurney bleeding to death, excruciating pain, and not knowing that I had a perforated viscous, I basically had a had ruptured inside and was bleeding. And she reached her hand and touched mine while I was on the gurney. And I looked around at her and she said to me, don't be afraid to go into the light. Well, at that time being agnostic, I had no idea what she meant by going to the light. 
and she touched my hand and everything just kind of went into this pause mode. Like our conversation, she and I were just meant for she and I and everything around us was just like in slow motion. And I remember finally uh, being taken into the, uh, into the OR and it's just, again, I mean, the things that took place that night uh, in the OR were, you know, obviously beyond belief, but also terrifying for me because I knew at this time that, that, you know, you just sense I'm dying. Gosh. And um, I remember being put on the operating table and the anesthesiologist said to me, uh, because he said, this is going to hurt. They couldn't keep the, uh, the IVs in my, in my vein because my, I had lost so much weight and so much blood that my veins kept you know, collapsing. And so he turned me over to my side and I, everything kind of went blank. And at this time, I was being pulled into, uh, into this tunnel and being greeted by, obviously, you know, as so many of us talk about near-death experiences, uh, being greeted by family members and, and, and acquaintances and friends of people that we recognize. And I was lulled into this, into this tunnel. And as I'm going into this spinning tunnel, um, I can see myself on the operating table, me, Peter Anthony in spirit form, Peter Anthony in spirit form looking at the table with Peter Anthony in physical form, me looking down at Peter dying on the table, hearing all the, the doctors and the nurses and the anesthesiologists, you know, their thoughts, their, they, they had gone, already gone into medical protocol, into flatline procedure. And uh, as they were putting the paddles to my chest, I just remember this line and I was stuck further into the, into the tunnel. Wow. You want me to talk about that? Yes, <laughs> I'd, I'd love to. And I, gosh, we've got so much to talk about, but I, just I know. Wanna, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, just briefly about well, you were greeted yeah. by your family members just, and then into the by tunnel. family members. Yeah, I, I recognized some of them and many I did not, meaning I recognized who they were, but in the beginning, um, what happened, these were people from my past lives and there they were in these, I, I say period pieces, not, I don't want to use the word costumes, but I recognized them as I went into the, into the tunnel, it was like, I could see my wife, I could see children, I could see my father, I could see peasants and kings and, and uh, uh, noblemen, all these people were greeting me, as well as my own, uh, my own family, which I had lost the majority of my family by the time I was in my 20s, I was an orphan at that time. And so seeing all these family members welcome me, and it's not that they were talking, but they were communicating to me as though they were talking psychically into, into my head. Again, I'm, there is no physical form. The essence of what you're experiencing is, you know, it's like listening to a headphones. You don't see yourself listening to headphones unless you're looking at the mirror, but you hear everything and you sense everything and your, your senses become rather acute. And at this time, I began to see mathematical codes, quantum physics, uh, math numbers, and, you know, that I didn't even recognize, but was downloading all this information and also seeing the numbers 222 and 333 and 1111 and 999 and 777, again, getting all this information and downloading it, as well as the colors and the sound uh, that were spinning all around me. And I just allowed whatever was taking place in that, in that tunnel to take me to the next level, which is what it did. And obviously the life review followed, and, and, uh, which is, you know, we could spend hours talking about that. Mm -hmm. So you were taken to the next level. Did these mathematical codes continue to reveal themselves to you? They did. And the colors and the sound, uh, I, 
you know, to this day, I mean, I was an artist. I no longer can paint. I can no longer sketch. I lost that ability uh, when I digested all this information when I came back. Uh, I also lost my stutter. I had a, a, a slight uh, speech impediment. So when I came back into the real world, all those things I had known as Peter Anthony were gone. And it's almost as though this new person emerged. But as these codes were presenting themselves to me, uh, as I said, I knew what they were. Now, back in the late 80s and the 90s and even 2000, as a numerologist, we didn't have triple codes. We didn't have compound numbers. Uh, we didn't have karmic numbers in numerology or books I could study by. So this was, for me, was my, my, my search, my, uh, my, my quest was to figure out what these numbers were as I was spinning through this tunnel. And uh, so that was, as I said, something very profound. Even to this day, uh, I use numerology as a way, you know, when I'm working on paranormal cases as a way to solve these cases, because everything is based upon mathematical sequence or mathematical totals. And so I use this as a, an example. If I, I talk to the first responding officer or if I uh, get the information of the person that is a suspect or those who've been murdered, there's always birth dates. There's always a time that the first responding officer showed up. There's always an address to the home where I'm going. So all this to me, as I'm working with, with numbers, whether they're simple numbers or whether they're compound numbers, all makes sense to me. I think that was part of the download I experienced on the other side, going through that tunnel. Oh my gosh, this is so fascinating. I won't keep you on the near-death experience for too long, but I, 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 I just love people that have had near-death experiences. It's still so vivid and clear and real. It's not something you'll ever forget. Well, you know, it's like uh, people say, well, how, do you, how come you're so, uh, all your, your, your near-death is so vivid? I said, you know, if you go see the Titanic with, with Kate Winslet and, and DiCaprio, you know, when you're watching that movie, there are so many things in your consciousness that never go away. I mean, the moment the iceberg, you know, uh, scrapes against the, the Titanic, you know, the moment that sh they're jumping into the cold water, those are impact moments. And so if you, as a, as a viewing audience, can visualize and remember certain parts of the Titanic, well, imagine something that has so, is so personal to your life that impact your life forever, you don't forget. So that's why I'm with me, even when I'm speaking with you, I flash back to, to that moment in that operating room and I can still see it to this day. Just remarkable. And I guess the final one, did you choose to return to your physical incarnation as Peter? Well, this is something, too, that I like to explain to all my to my listening audience. I was given a choice. Now, after my life review uh, and seeing everything I did, what I should have done and didn't do, learning to let go of judgment, not only against myself, but also for other people. While I was having my life review, um, there is no such thing as judgment. There is no such thing as guilt. There is no such thing, in my opinion, as sin, as much as I identified as human error. But this is where I was given a choice. Now, I back up, digress slightly. I was agnostic. So my belief in God, Jesus, all that you know, religious stuff was just, I had a hard time accepting and believing any of that stuff. Because to me, it's like the talking snake and, you know, Eve, and she was the, the one responsible for all the sin on the planet. I mean, that to me, is like, really? This didn't digest right. consciousness to me, even at that time. So my experience with, being given a choice by energetic matter in front of me, me again in spirit form, uh, having a conversation with, I call to this day, God. 
And it wasn't this man in a coffin and, you know, and a, a beard and, and the pearly gates of heaven. And, you know, St. Peter is, you know, welcoming me into the gates of heaven. That wasn't it at all. If anything, this is all based on science. And for me, it was energetic matter. It was carbon. All these things that we, uh, I guess, in the metaphysical world identify as, you know, everything is based upon thought. Everything is based upon consciousness. Everything is based on, on our reality of, of a moment that uh, is in that now moment. So for me, having this conversation with this advanced being, uh, this entity that I call God, I was given a choice. Seeing what we as a human consciousness were doing to our planet, uh, you know, our oil refineries, the, the pollution, the, the destruction of the animal kingdom, uh, the anger that we as, as citizens on this planet, we are a warring nation. Uh, and it seems every time we turn around, there's some war that we have to fight seeing all this stuff and, and the inhumane things we were doing, even in the wars that I got a chance to, to, to see on the planet, as though I was looking through a, 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 a telescope or looking through a zoom lens, zoom lens and seeing the planet, you know, from, from city to country to community to, to the smallest town and seeing we as a collective consciousness doing just some of the most silly things to our planet and everything that we did to the planet, we did to ourselves. So I'm seeing all this, having this conversation with this advanced being and given a choice, do you want to go back? And I watched the massacring of the dolphin and, and what we were doing to the horses in the Everglades. And I just, I remember this so vividly. This is not what God intended. And it was at that moment that I identified in my soul, in my consciousness, that there is a God but not the God that has been so religiously put before us, but this God that is certainly a lot more complex. And we live in a very complex world, but the rules of nature and the rules of all religions and all spiritual understanding is very simple. Love, kindness, compassion, and help. These are the basic principles that we as, as people on this planet have a hard time digesting. So for me, seeing all this, you know, first row, you know, audience uh, and, and participant, um, it impacted me. And again, imagine all the numbers and the consciousness and the colors and the sound and, and all these things, me and, and a galaxy, if you will, floating in, in outer space and seeing our entire universe and me given a chance or a, a choice to go back. And I use that word choice because all of us on this planet are given a choice. The choice for your audience to tune in today, the, cho the choice uh, to interview me or me to interview with you. Everything is based upon a choice. And we take choice for granted. We take our breath, our life for granted. We get into this, into this fast, furious world of go, 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 and money, money, money. And, and, and I need a relationship. We need to be number one in, in our, on our sports and our, uh, the, the best actor. We get into this whole winning consciousness and we forget that the simple things of life are really what matter. And so when I did come back, I think the most complicated uh, medical after effects certainly humbled me even more because I ended up being blind for a period of time and uh, I couldn't see the medications they were giving me were causing inexplicable reactions. Uh, I couldn't walk, so I was in a wheelchair. I was at, at 89 pounds um, and I was given three months to live. And I came back. <laughs> I told you I had a speech impediment. So if you got a yes or no out of me, you know, yay, Peter spoke. 
I came back blabbering, talking. I couldn't shut up. All I wanted to do was talk about what I saw on the other side. And I talked about God. I talked about the animal kingdom. I, I talked about so many different things. And I remember the nurses and the doctors looked at me as though I was a nutcase. But I didn't care. I just wanted to talk. And I think the saddest thing that happened to me is eventually people stopped showing up at the hospital because they just thought I'd lost my mind. But I began to see spirit world while I was in the hospital and I could see the, the former doctors and nurses that had passed. And I could see them in the hallways. If you ever Gosh. saw the movie Ghost with Whoopi Goldberg and Patrick Swayze, you know, there's a whole world within a world. The thin veil is very thin. So me, the ability to see the spirit world and talking to the ghost that was on my bed and helping me to, to rid myself with these medications, I listened to it, weaned myself off the meds, uh, began to use uh, pure aloe vera juice and uh, pure garlic, uh, thistle, uh, a root. I began to take all these things and to up that part of my, of my I guess, my medicinal uh, healing and to wean myself off those, those drugs. I say something, I'll shut up, but um, I think for all of us who've had near-death experiences, we come back heightened. So it is no wonder that so many of us have after, uh, after effects with medications, the, the reactions to meds are just, for us, it's like a brand new baby given a baby morphine. You know, it's, you have to be very careful how you administer these drugs. And the doctors were not doing that. They were treating me as though I was an adult male, at, you know, uh, and it, I wasn't, I was a newborn, new spirit. That's a great And it point. just, it was just horrific to my, to my system. My, in my opinion, I have no proof of this, but I think 40 years from now, maybe it'll make sense. Somehow or another, I have said this on one of the show a couple of weeks ago. I think as near-death experiences, our spiritual DNA has changed. I really do believe that. If there is such thing as a spiritual DNA, which I believe there is. If you know anything about reincarnation, that spiritual thread, if you've been, if you come back with a certain, I don't like to use the word karma anymore, but if something keeps repeating itself in your life, such as money woes or bad relationships or bad bosses or, or whatever that might be, I always say that a, a lesson presents itself to you until that lesson is learned. And the same thing with our, with reincarnating. We come back with these same issues to overcome, to balance out what we did not complete in, in one of our lifetimes. So I believe that on some level, as people begin to advance towards this study of near-death experiencers, we will find that medications and that spiritual, uh, that spiritual DNA is a part of our new beginning. So you almost got a clean slate. Oh, I got a very clean slate. I came back with a very simple philosophy. You know, you have a start date, and you have an expiration date. And what you do in between is, in, is important. And what you do with it to me is, is vital. And so when I see people, you know, warring over silly things and arguing and, 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 and forgetting these things called love and, and going to bed without telling your wife or girlfriend or, or your husband or your boyfriend, whatever, that you love them after a fight, these things are important. They're silly and they're minute to some people. But to me, it's important because these are the very things that keep us from moving consciously forward in our spiritual evolution right so how on earth did you reintegrate into this world that must have been challenging as well it was it was lonely um it, you know um very few people even back then we didn't call it a near-death experience 
um, I, my, it was my own personal doctor who told me that we that, he, that we lost you on the operating table. He didn't call it an interrupt experience. He called it a close call, and it was whispered because you know, God forbid, we talked about near that experience back in the eighties or nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, you crossed over. That's how it was identified, and it was very hush hush. So what I did, how I integrated. On one side, became aware that people didn't believe me. The doctor certainly didn't. Um, my doctor did. He called me his miracle patient. But I began to read, and so I began to read astrology, not your basic, you know, uh, mainstream astrology, but I began to research ancient astrology and ancient numerology, and this is where I found my answers. And so what I did, I began to study numerology, and I began to study astrology, and I secretly did readings on the weekend. I didn't let anyone know, you know, uh, when I was in the news division what I was doing, and certainly I didn't let any of my celebrity clients know what I was doing. So I randomly would choose someone I felt was um, uh, uh, interesting, uh, someone profound, and I would do a free numerology reading on them. And they kept sending me business, don't tell anybody. And they kept sending me I, cast directors and producers and executives and studios and anchor men and women. And they all came to me. And you get that one phone call in your life that changes everything for the rest of your life. And I got that call from a homicide detective. Uh, and he wanted me to work on a case that involved numerology, and supposedly their suspect uh, was skilled in special effects. So think about that. A numerology and special effects expert, here I was studying numerology, and I was studying to become a special effects makeup artist. So the universe kind of guided me towards this new door, this new opening. And uh, I, I went on this case not knowing what I was doing, showed up on the crime scene, and certainly wasn't welcomed by the police. Yeah. Um, and they thought I was a circus act, but I was able to point out evidence of what I, what I could psychically see by the spirits of the young boys who had been killed, who were waiting for me when I arrived, telling me what had happened. And so they got me to a shed where the police kind of laughed at me because I said, all your evidence is inside the shed. There was nothing in the shed. It was a workbench and it was clean, immaculate. And so I said, all your evidence is inside this, in this shed. I remember the police officers laughing at me. The the detective that had called me in rolled his eyes and uh, I won't say his name. And I said, everything you need is inside that shed. And I walked in and I pointed to the end wall and I said, all your evidence is inside that wall there. And they got an accident. And apparently he was going around in his mind, killing all these birthdays, I guess, or killing all these, these boys, um, um, on certain um, lunar cycles. So um, anyway, it was this, that whole phone call, that whole case led me to sightings, which led me to the History Channel, which led me to, uh, uh, to so many different paranormal shows that I worked on. And so going back to your original question, how I integrated myself back into this, what we call real world, I studied. And like anything in life, I think if you're spiritual, you find something that makes sense to your heart, to your inner knowing, and you study it, you read it, you digest it. And if it makes sense to your aha, then you follow to the next step. And that's what I did. And it happened to be apparently my calling. Or your passion, since you're on Passion Harvest. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's, there's two elements to this. So you also use your spiritual guidance or your intuition for the cases, but also the numerology as well. Well, you know, an example, um, I'm a ghost hunter. And I was on a show called Sightings, and I actually go to these 
again, to these haunted houses and caves and cemeteries and, uh, you know, resorts. Um, and again, you know, longitude, latitude, you show up at a certain time, you have a building number, all these, you know, my world is nothing but math. So when I show up and I'm scribbling, uh, and I also listen to headphones because I try to get into a trance state because this helps me to go into that mode when I was in going through the tunnel because it, it's like as if you're downloading consciousness. And when I'm listening to my headphones and, I'm, and it looks like I'm just scribbling like a crazy person, um, I'm able communicating with the other side and they're talking to me with mathematical symbols. So that's how I'm able to decipher and to, to solve my cases by using music and by, by using math. And that's how I go to every case that I work on. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I'm just thinking what question to ask you next. So I just, could you tell us more about being a psychic detective? It's absolutely fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. I'm able to communicate with spirits. They, for some reason, like to speak with me. And I I go back to something very important. You're familiar with the solar plexus. You're familiar with the grids on the body, right? The the, 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 the chakras, right? I am. I'm sure most of the I'm sure most of your audience is, if they're listening in. But this is our solar plexus. And it's, it is uh, what I refer to as our psychic channel. Uh, it is the, uh, I, the um, it's ruled by the color yellow. Um, and it's a bright light. And what I've come to realize is that when I'm on the, on the other side, or when I step out into this spirit world and, and work with ghosts, they must see something illuminating from my solar plexus because it's very bright. Because it can be on an airplane, it can be in a cave, on a golf course, uh, in a resort, in an alley. Um, they show up, and I believe that when I'm balanced with my grids, you know, from from the head chakra all the way down to the base chakra, and I'm aligned, um, every, it's like an engine that's finally tuned. It works, and that for me, we always talk about balancing our chakras or our, our grids in the body. Uh, that's what I do before I arrive. And this way I'm able to go in as a clean vessel and communicate. And I don't want to use the word ghost whisper, but they whisper to me and I hear their thoughts. And here's something interesting to throw into the mix. Well, they're trapped beings or trapped spirits on this world who have not gone into the white light. So my job is to facilitate to get them into the, into the light. As a ghost and, hunter, is that... Um, well, I like to use my, the term as a, uh, a ghost chaplain. Okay, nice. For earthbound yeah. spirits. Yes, yeah. Because they're stuck, they're trapped. You know, all of us, when it's our time to go, we go to the white light. They're trapped spirits. They haven't had the chance to go to the white light, and they know. I'm sure, like me, seeing that spinning tone, that bullseye, they see it, I'm sure, and they want to go towards it, but they can't. They're, they're you know, that physical part of their world they're like they're shackled they're trapped they can't go so someone like me has to solve i don't want to use the crime what what took place during that during their lifetimes if it was a suicide if it was a murder if it was an accident you know and it was not their time to go um you know there's a reality check that they're not accepting that it's time to go and they're still stuck in that that last moment of life so it's, 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 it's tough. I've been there in that, that, uh, that stuck phase and trying to come back into real world as I'm working on a case where I'm over on the other side and it's, we're cutting 
and going back into giving me time to kind of get back into my body. And I somehow or another, it's almost like, you know, motion sickness. I can feel myself coming back into my body and everything around me is, is surreal. And once I get back in my body, I usually get very nauseous and very dizzy and may want to, I become usually very ill and I have to go and get away. So that it's coming back into a physical body is, is quite difficult when I'm working on cases. Wow, that's quite an involved process looking at their lives and what's tethering them to this world and then allowing them to be free from that to transition. Well, here's something too for your audience. Um, they say, well, well, it used to be a church here and now it's a, you know, it's a, a, a post office and they tore that down and these, these places of business keep having reoccurring hauntings. And I say to them, it doesn't make a difference if you rebuild something over the original haunting. You know, everything is based on energy. Everything's based on that power of equations. Everything is, is energetic form. So if, if you have someone here who was murdered in a saloon and let's say it was horrific, that imprint, that electrical energy deposited itself onto that ground. So that spirit right there, that energetic form resonates to that earthbound form through there, that whatever energy that took place, a crime. And so what happens is that the, uh, now the the uh, uh, it's now a post office, and now it's a mall, and, and it's always the same place where the haunting takes place. Um, that's not going to go away until it's cleansed. And so that's where I come in and, and help to at least help them to navigate towards the other side. Yeah, so it's specific to the geographical location. Yes. Um, I can't, I'd love to talk more about your numerology, but also do you have, you spoke about clearing your chakras and aligning your chakras. Do you have any tips for the audience on how you do this? Yes, I do actually. So you heard me mention um, how I get myself in alignment, which is very important. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to choice. Every day I get up and I do a gratitude by pride. And so what I do, I get on my bike and I bike ride about 20 miles and I go everywhere and I go into uh, geographical locations that resonate with my heart. So if I, I, an example, I live here near mountains. So, and there's a, we now have a dry riverbed because there's been no rain. And so I go over to this bridge and I say, thank you, God. And I'll, and tomorrow morning, you'll be on my gratitude list. And I will thank you for being a part of my life at this time of the afternoon. Uh, I will bless anything else that has come into my life today. I offer that tomorrow morning during my gratitude bike ride. I also go into what I call a cleansing state. I always say thank you for everything. Thank you for allowing me to see. Thank you for allowing me to walk again. Thank you for all the, the currency that comes in so I can help rescue animals. I'm always blessing something to receive something, not because I want it to come to me. And so what I'm saying simply is go into a place of gratitude because when you are in a grateful place, you are more to receive. And when you're receiving, you're thankful. When you're thankful, more comes in. And so that helps the, the, I call the chakras of the body to get into perfect alignment. And it helps you to think about that. I, I talk to strangers all the time. You know, I have one moment in life and today may be my last moment. And if I'm talking to this homeless person or I'm talking to a woman on the bench who's seeing her dog, my goal every day is to speak to someone to bring happiness to that person and to have a conversation so that we as strangers come together and if you can shift that person and they shift another person, collectively, we start shifting consciousness. And so I say, get out of that what I want. I need to, this money. I need this new relationship. I want this raise. That's a lack mentality. If you come into consciousness of thank you for what I have, you know, what you have is more than enough. 
and start learning to accept the beautiful things that are in your life, the friendships and parents and the, uh, and the loving pet that you may have, the neighbor next door who's kind to you when you're sick. Those things matter. And so I keep a very simple life, and yet things just come to me from nowhere. The phone call, you know, this interview, everything just shows up according to divine guidance. Mm-hmm. So if you allow yourself to receive from the universe, think about that. The universe, the angels, the masters, the, the guides, they know what's in your heart. They know who you are as a person. So why would they not send you something beautiful? Why would they not send us an interview to, to meet one another today? So that today someone listens to our interview and maybe something I say or something you say goes, oh, that I've been waiting to hear this for so long. Click, shift consciousness. So every moment is a miracle as far as I'm concerned. I agree. So often we forget it. Many of us forget it, though. We get we get well, stuck in our physicalness and our reality of what we see, and well, we, we get in caught place up in that, that committee in our head. Yeah, you know, you know that just all that negative stuff that floats in our head, and I'm guilty of it too. But I also know how to get myself into connected to the spirit world and to the divine. I usually take my right hand and touch my heart when I'm when I'm in a negative space, and I just. This is just a gentle reminder, Peter, get into your right way of thinking, get into your spiritual way of thinking. And I help myself to remove the negative thinking. And by tapping my right hand, which my creative side gently goes to my heart, I'm shifting consciousness inside. I'm shifting my inner voice. And it's nothing more than a reminder. I'm doing that right now. I love it. Um, <laughs> so I'd love to just talk about the numerology. For those that don't know, sure. what, what, what is numerology? Numerology, like astrology, is, is, is a uh, predictive uh, possibility of one's chart uh, using their name, their full name, their first, middle, and last name, their birth date. Um, and then what you do, you divide the name into vowels and consonants and uh, the nouns or the, the, the uh, uh, the, the vowels will become um, a soul energy and the constants become a working energy. And you divide that into, I guess, into a, uh, into a two tier. And one is about who we are and why we're here. And the other is what we've come back with our gifts. And so it's a predictive uh, scope. Um, I've been doing this, God, right after my near earth experience, I began to, to do numerology. And I, uh, also use astrology as, as a point. I use ancient astrology as, as a guiding point for me to work on, on with my clients weekly, daily. Um, so it's predictive possibility. And I say possibility because I can tell you, if I see something in your chart, you're given a choice. Mm-hmm. And you know, I say something to you, well, you say, well, I don't want to, I don't want to believe that. I don't want to do that. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to let free will step in. And then what I say happens, you go, I should have listened. So I say possibilities because it goes back to we've been given free will. We've been given choice. And all I'm doing is just pointing out a new landscape and you are the navigator. And I'm telling you, turn here, uh, stop here, slow down here, and then go in here and do this. And we are all drivers on some level. So you could be a top A driver. You could be a slow driver. You could be a driver who doesn't pay attention. However you navigate through life is basically what your life result will be. So I get people to really examine themselves, take responsibility. There's no such thing as blame. There's no such thing as victim. As much as the choice that we make is our choice, and we have the ability to change course. So if you're going down the wrong path, you just back up and get on the road to your destiny and drive ahead. 
So I keep it very simple. And it's done through math. And people like math because math is an exact science. So if, an example, if your birthday digits to the number one, well, I already know right off the bat that you're a person of leadership and you don't like being told what to do. And you're here to be uh, uh, an executive or a CEO. Um, and so therefore you need to delegate uh, people to help you out. Some people come back as writers. I've seen some people who should be actors who should be CPAs, who are actors who should be CPAs and vice versa. So I kind of nudge people to their destiny. It's just so fascinating. So you mentioned using numerology in regards to murder cases or as a psychic detective. What, how, how, what do you look at? I, I know this could be a whole series. No, no. Every case is different. Um, it begins the night before. Usually what happens to me is the ghost will show up in my bedroom. Of the deceased victim. You know, they're like, you know, hey, we're here letting you know. Oh, my uh, God. We're you tomorrow. This is a silly question. Do you ever get scared by actually seeing the ghost, the spirit? I have. <laughs> I <laughs> like, have in my in my years of working as, as a paranormal investigator, I've had two cases that frightened me, and they were both physical. To say that most cases I've worked on, I'm going to say about 90, 90% of the cases I have worked on have been just, you know, all that needs to happen is to get the spirit to cross over. Now, are there demonic cases? Absolutely. Are there frightful cases? Absolutely. Uh, I've only worked on two of those. And so my career or my body of, of, of work, if I had to, to weigh it against the bad you know, versus the good, the good certainly has outweighed the bad. I, I guess you've done your own numerology chart in great detail. <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> you haven't? No, I don't want to know. Um, you know, I, I, I hunt and peck, um, you know, as an example, I've been going through some stuff here this last several months, uh, last year, um, it wasn't so much about my numerology chart as much as it was going on collectively for the planet during COVID and, and what was happening. And I wanted to see the end result of where it was going. So that was that, my next question. <laughs> COVID. Yeah, that, that was an important part of my awakening. What it taught me was something very valuable. The planet shut down. We all, on many levels all around the world, were basically um, sequestered into alone time. And we had to process and to rethink and to reevaluate and to restructure our thinking and to, uh, to release. Um, and so for me, that was the reality of what happened last year. And so the end result of that, I saw that we were going out of this. But I want to go back to, again, choice. Um, have we learned anything from this? Um, I can speak for Los Angeles. Um, our freeways were non-congested. We had no pollution. There was no pollution in the water. We had clear skies that were just beautiful. You could see the stars at nighttime. There were no cars on the freeway. What you could see were kids or teenagers or people on rollerblades and or roller skates or rollerblading on the busy freeways. The whole town was shut down and this new energy was just these people were performing on their freeways on their skateboards. It was just amazing to see, uh, to see the rainbows. We had more rain last year. So we go back to choice. What did we learn as a collective consciousness? You know, what are we doing? Our politics here in the United States, we're thinking, okay, we have a new administration. Everything is going to get better. It's not. It's, it's the same energy that prevents us from moving forward as a collective consciousness. One of the things I write about in my books 
is feminine consciousness and the importance of it. Women in power. Women in power will think twice before they send their, their, their children off to war. We need more women in power, not only in, in politics, but in the movie industry, uh, in the pharmaceutical companies. We need a lot more women because feminine consciousness is about kindness and compassion. Women, I think, tend to, I've worked with female bosses, I've worked with male bosses. If I had my choice, I would much rather work for a female boss. I think they are just, they make better uh, leaders. And that's just my opinion. I think men will just bash me for saying that. But it's very true. My, my, that's my opinion. And so I think that as we are seeing this collective consciousness change, I think the more and more women get into power, I think we'll see a huge difference in where our politics are going, where our environment is going, and where we as a collective consciousness are going. And so I think for me last year, I saw that. But I also saw we still are not getting our lessons down. You know, how many women go into uh, addictive or abusive relationships? They don't change if they keep going back. How many men have problems with drinking or smoking cigarettes? You know, in order to, I think, to, to release these things, we have to do an inventory, a strong, thorough inventory of oneself. And that's what happens in a life review. You do a clear, thorough inventory of looking at your life and what you should have done, what you could have done, but you didn't do. And again, no judgment. What it taught me was, Peter, Anthony, you need to shine better. And that's what's important. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> Gosh, it's been such a delight to have you on the show, Peter. Is there anything that you'd like to share with the Passion Harvest audience that I haven't asked you? Well, yeah, I'm going to ask you something. Why did you decide to do this type of show? What, what propelled you to go forward and do a spiritual show? Where in your background, uh, what choice, what what crossroad, what uh, change in the freeway brought you to this new reality? Because it didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen. No, no. You know, we want, we want things instantly in our world. I do as well. Um, what right. propelled me? Well, I wanted to speak with incredible people across the world um, to not only learn from my, not only learn myself and grow as fast as I could on a spiritual universal truth level but to be able to share that with others and this is the best way and I was passionate about it so it lit me up and rocked my boat I was so excited about it. it didn't seem like work and not only that I had the ability to share it with other people because when we uh, working with others and helping others we're in turn helping ourselves as well so that was yeah. I, I guess that was the foundation of it I was passionate about it I didn't, wasn't a monetary thing. It wasn't what it could do for me. It was what I could, what I could do for the world. Mm -hmm. Well, I've always believed love what you do and what you love will come along. And, um, and look what happened to you. Mm. You know, so I think what, what you just said, if I had to just bring it down to this, you found your authentic purpose. And I think as a near-earth experiencer, my job as a numerologist and astrologer is to help people to navigate towards finding their authentic purpose. And when you're doing something that you love, you don't care what time of day it is. You don't care how hot it is. Um, <laughs> it's hot for you now. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm sweating. I just, there's so much, there's the air. You've got a beautiful shine. Yeah, I know I do, sorry. <laughs> but, um, but what the point I make is that who cares? What's important is our energy right now, what happens between you and I and how you and I are connecting. And it's very authentic and it's very real. And I think people will see that. And that's what makes this show so beautiful. Well, thank, thank you. And thank you for doing such incredible work. Peter Anthony, where's the best place for people to connect with you? 
my website, uh, www.theaccidentalprofit.com, uh, Key Masters on Amazon, and my next book, The Accidental Profit, is coming out. I'm just at that last 100 page of, of completing it. It's the sequel to the first book. Um, and go into my website and, and look at all the different shows I've worked on and look at the articles I've written, and uh, you'll learn a lot more about me. And uh, so, um, you know, not one to brag, but I, I'm very proud of, of the gifts that have come into my life as a writer and certainly as a speaker and certainly as a new thought leader, such as yourself. Thank I'm you. blessed to that. You are. Thank you, Peter Anthony, for being on Passion Harvest. It's been an honor and a delight. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> and thank you to your audience for listening to us today. Bye for now. That is the end of our passionate episode. Thank you so much for listening and please subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends and spread the passion. As always, every day, may you be more and more passionate.